Welcome to this special edition of Awakened to Grace. I'm Chad Roberts, and today we bring you a very different and unique broadcast as we pause to remember the events of September the 11th. I was barely 20 years old when the attacks happened, and I remember exactly where I was when I first learned that Islamic extremists had carried out attacks on our land. I remember watching the second plane go into the tower live on television. If you are old enough to remember these events, then I'm sure, like myself, you remember exactly where you were and what you felt on 9-11. Well, today, to commemorate this time, we are going to replay for you the speech given by Reverend Billy Graham. Billy's in heaven today, and he faithfully served the Lord. He is a personal hero to me, and he's someone that I desire. Like Billy, I want to end well. I want to finish my course well. That's what Billy did. And he was an old man when he addressed the nation. And I remember watching it on television. This was before I went blind. And I remember watching him have to be helped up to the podium of the pulpit of the National Cathedral in Washington, D.C. My heart sunk a little as I watched him as a feeble old man have to be helped. But I remember the moment he opened his mouth. I remember being stunned with the power and the authority he had in his voice. It marked me that day. I've never forgotten it. And I want to share it with you today. Perhaps you've never had the opportunity to hear it. It's not very long. It's about a 12-minute speech. But I thought it was exceptional. And today, to mark the anniversary of 9-11, we want to air this powerful talk by what truly was America's pastor, Billy Graham. I know you'll enjoy. We'll come back at the end. And I'll share a little bit of scripture. Here is Dr. Billy Graham. President and Mrs. Bush, I want to say a personal word on behalf of many people. Thank you, Mr. President, for calling this day of prayer and remembrance. We needed it at this time. We come together today to reaffirm our conviction that God cares for us. Whatever our ethnic, religious, or political background may be, the Bible says that he's the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles. No matter how hard we try, words simply cannot express the horror, the shock, and the revulsion we all feel over what took place in this nation on Tuesday morning. September 11 will go down in our history as a day to remember. Today we say to those who masterminded this cruel plot and to those who carried it out that the spirit of this nation will not be defeated by their twisted and diabolical schemes. Someday those responsible will be brought to justice, as President Bush and our Congress have so forcefully stated. But today, we especially come together in this service 
to confess our, confess our need of God. We've always needed God from the very beginning of this nation. But today we need Him especially. We're facing a new kind of enemy. We're involved in a new kind of warfare. And we need the help of the Spirit of God. The Bible words are our hope. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. But how do we understand something like this? Why does God allow evil like this to take place? Perhaps that is what you are asking now. You may even be angry at God. I want to assure you that God understands these feelings that you may have. We've seen so much on our television, on our, heard on our radio, stories that bring tears to our eyes and make us all feel a sense of anger. But God can be trusted, even when life seems at its darkest. But what are some of the, but what are some of the lessons we can learn? First, we're reminded of the mystery and reality of evil. I've been asked hundreds of times in my life why God allows tragedy and suffering. I have to confess that I really do not know the answer, totally, even to my own satisfaction. I have to accept by faith that God is sovereign and He's a God of love and mercy and compassion in the midst of suffering. The Bible says that God is not the author of evil. It speaks of evil as a mystery in 1 Thessalonians 2.7. It talks about the mystery of iniquity. The Old Testament prophet Jeremiah said, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? He asked that question, who can understand it? And that's one reason we each need God in our lives. The lesson of this event is not only about the mystery of iniquity and evil, but secondly, it's a lesson about our need for each other. What an example New York and Washington have been to the world these past few days. None of us will ever forget the pictures of our courageous firefighters and police many of whom have lost friends and colleagues, or the hundreds of people attending or standing patiently in line to donate blood. A tragedy like this could have torn our country apart, but instead it has united us and we've become a family. So those perpetrators who took this on to tear us apart, it has worked the other way. It's backlash. It's backfired. We are more united than ever before. I think this was exemplified in a very moving way when the members of our Congress stood shoulder to shoulder the other day and sang, God bless America. Finally, difficult as it may be for us to see right now, this event can give a message of hope, hope for the present and hope for the future. Yes, there is hope. There's hope for the present because I believe the stage has already been set for a new spirit in our nation. One of the things we desperately need 
is a spiritual renewal in this country. We need a spiritual revival in America. And God has told us in His Word time after time that we are to repent of our sins and we are turned to Him and He will bless us in a new way. But there is also hope for the future because of God's promises. As a Christian, I have hope not just for this life, but for heaven and the life to come. And many of those people who died this past week are in heaven right now, and they wouldn't want to come back. It's so glorious and so wonderful, and that's the hope for all of us who put our faith in God. I pray that you will have this hope in your heart. This event reminds us of the brevity and the uncertainty of life. We never know when we too will be called into eternity. I doubt if even one of those people who got on those planes or walked into the World Trade Center or the Pentagon last Tuesday morning thought it would be the last day of their lives. They didn't, it didn't occur to them. And that's why each of us needs to face our own spiritual need and commit ourselves to God and His will now. Here in this majestic National Cathedral, we see all around us symbols of the cross. For the Christian, I'm speaking for the Christian now, the cross tells us that God understands our sin and our suffering. For He took upon Himself in the person of Jesus Christ our sins and our suffering. And from the cross, God declares, I love you. I know the heartaches and the sorrows and the pains that you feel, but I love you. The story does not end with the cross, for Easter points us beyond the tragedy of the cross to the empty tomb. It tells us that there is hope for eternal life, for Christ has conquered evil and death and hell. Yes, there is hope. I've become an old man now, and I've preached all over the world. And the older I get, the more I cling to that hope that I started with many years ago and, began, and proclaimed it in many languages to many parts of the world. Several years ago, at the National Prayer Breakfast here in Washington, Ambassador Andrew Young, who had just gone through the tragic death of his wife, closed his talk with a quote from the old hymn, How Firm a Foundation. We all watched in horror as planes crashed into the, the steel and glass of the World Trade Center. Those majestic towers built on solid foundations were examples of the prosperity and creativity of America. When damaged, those buildings eventually plummeted to the ground, imploding it upon themselves. Yet underneath the debris is a foundation that was not destroyed. Therein lies the truth of that old hymn that Andrew Young quoted, How Firm a Foundation. Yes, our nation has been attacked buildings destroyed, lives lost. But now we have a choice.
whether to implode and disintegrate emotionally and spiritually as a people and a nation, or whether we choose to become stronger through all of this struggle to rebuild on a solid foundation. And I believe that we're in the process of starting to rebuild on that foundation. That foundation is our trust in God. That's what this service is all about. And in that faith, we have the strength to endure something as difficult and horrendous as what we've experienced this week. This has been a terrible week with many tears, but also has been a week of great faith. Churches all across the country have called prayer meetings, and today is a day that they're celebrating not only in this country, but in many parts of the world. And in the words of that familiar hymn that Andrew Young quoted, it says, Fear not, I am with thee. O be not dismayed, for I am thy God, and will give thee aid. I'll strengthen thee, help thee, and cause thee to stand upon my righteous, on thy righteous omnipotent hand. My prayer today is that we will feel the loving arms of God wrapped around us, and will know in our hearts that he will never forsake us as we trust in him. We also know that God is going to give wisdom and courage and strength to the President and those around him. And this is going to be a day that we will remember as a day of victory. May God bless you all. On September 11, 2001, 2,996 people lost their lives. I believe it was 184 in the Pentagon and I believe 40 in the airplane in Pennsylvania. Four coordinated attacks against our nation. But do you remember what the aftermath was? You remember how it united our country as nothing ever has. To put 9-11 into perspective, a little over 2,400 people died during the attacks of Pearl Harbor, yet nearly 3,000 died the day of 9-11. When I think about the events of that day, my mind always goes to Psalm 11. I'm going to ask Pastor Eric Davis to read that psalm right now, and I want to share a couple of points out of it. In the Lord I take refuge. How can you say to my soul, flee like a bird to your mountain? For behold, the wicked bend the bow. They have fitted their arrow to the string to shoot in the dark at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes see, his eyelids test the children of man. The Lord tests the righteous. But his soul hates the wicked and the one who loves violence. Let him rain coals on the wicked, fire and sulfur, and a scorching wind shall be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous, he loves righteous deeds, and the upright shall behold his face. What amazing words, especially when we think about the wickedness, the violence of 9-11. I love that when David asked, What can the righteous do if the foundations 
are destroyed, what can the righteous do? If you listen to Dr. Billy Graham, he talked about the foundations of the towers. Very interesting. But what can the righteous do? As we look at our country and we look at morality and we look at the state of what our culture is and what society is becoming, as we look at how every social norm it feels is upside down, what can the righteous do and what does the psalmist say? What's the very next verse? Oh, the Lord is on his throne. Friends, it does not matter how chaotic this world gets. It doesn't matter how wicked. It doesn't matter how much dark the world gets. It doesn't matter how much it increases in its evil. Let me assure you from the word of God, the Lord is still on his throne. And what does scripture say? He loves those who are righteous. He hates those who do wicked, those who are violent. The Lord is opposed to them. He's against them. But who does he care for? Who is his eye upon? Who is his ear opened unto? The righteous. So my friends, if you're someone today that you want righteousness. Oh, I'm so thankful the Bible doesn't say blessed are the righteous. The Bible says blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ said. And if you're someone that you say, no, I want to reject sin. I want to reject wickedness. I want to reject violence. I want to reject everything that opposes the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, my friends, the promise is not only are you going to be filled with the righteousness of Jesus, not a self-righteousness, not a religious righteousness, no, the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only are you going to be filled with that, but you're going to be on the side of the Lord. His eye is going to be upon you. His ear is going to be open to your prayers. Why? Because the Lord loves those who are upright in heart. The Lord loves those who seek righteousness. The Lord loves those who uphold it. What are the foundations of God's throne? The Bible tells us justice and righteousness. God saw the events of 9-11, and God is well able to take care of that. If you are someone that you suffered during these terrible events, perhaps even you lost family or friends, I assure you, the Lord saw. And if you're someone that you've had injustice done to you, if you're someone that you have been victim to a very unrighteous person, you take Psalm 11 to heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Well, God is still on his throne, and he sees everything, and he will uphold the righteous. How? By his righteous right hand. Amen. So as we think on 9-11, pray for those who still Suffer from it. Pray for our nation. We need the Lord. We need God to turn things around. Perhaps this is the lowest ebb. Perhaps our country, especially in ways of morality, perhaps we are at the lowest ebb. Well, friends, the lowest ebb always mean the turning of the tide. And I believe there is going to be a turning 
of the tide in our nation. Some are looking for a red wave. Some are looking for a blue wave. Uh, whatever. i tell you what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a wave of righteousness. That is what will turn our nation back to God. I'm glad you're listening to this special edition of Awaken to Grace as we remember 9-11. Have you signed up for my weekly devotional email? Every Tuesday, I send out a devotion that will help you grow in your faith. Go to my website, awakentograce.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and when you sign up and submit your email, you'll get a direct message from me every Tuesday. Sign up today at awakentograce.com.